Hello from Bear and Kura, a podcast from the Land of Oz Information Services. I love you, Kura. I love you too, Bear. This is episode 10 of the Bear and Kura podcast. We're going to talk about our hopes and memories. Can you tell me about the person who has been kindest to you in your life? Well, it wasn't one person. When I was a teenager, I belonged to a Star Trek club. And my parents, well, at least my mother encouraged that because I think it was the first time in my life that I had friends. And she didn't care if I belonged to a coven as as long as I had friends. Well, during that time, I had to have my wisdom teeth removed. It was quite a procedure. It was an overnight stay in the hospital. And my, my friends, three of my friends from the Star Trek Club came to visit me in the hospital. And it really meant the world to me. I, I can't explain. I hate, absolutely hate, hate, hate going to visit anybody in the hospital. But because of them, I do it. I I don't really have anybody left to to visit now. But I, I learned because I appreciated that so much, you know, getting that visit from them in the hospital, I've ever since tried to pay it forward. And every time I had, a chance to visit somebody in the hospital, I would. Mm. Yeah, you've always been there for me whenever I've been in the hospital, even because of my relationship, you know, with me losing my leg, you've always been there. I didn't know you didn't not like being there as much. I know no one likes being in the hospital. I don't like visiting the hospital either, but I didn't know you disliked it that much, so I really appreciate the fact that you do do it. And. I was just one of many, 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 many friends you had to visit you in the hospital. Yeah, I'm pretty fortunate with the friends that I do have that they, you know, they do come and visit. So, yeah, I mean, the last trip to the hospital really didn't have many visitors. It was really because I didn't tell anybody about it. Um, And then also, I mean, due to the COVID protocols, a lot of people weren't allowed to come visit, but I really preferred that they didn't in the first place. If you can recall, I, I don't even think I left the uh, the room at all the last time I was there, the five days that I was there. Can you tell me about the person who is kindest in your life? That's a really good question. I, I, I don't know. Of just I'm, I'm, I have so many friends and close friends I can't really narrow it down just to one person. I've been thinking a lot about that question. I mean, besides you, obviously, you're, you're the number one person in my life, along, obviously, with my immediate family, my mom. I mean, your family is also very kind. But, I, you know, I hate to give you a short answer, but I, I just really can't name one person that's been the kindest to me. It sounds like a cop-out, but I guess I've just been... Fortunately, blessed to have that many people that I just can't name one. 
Can I name one for you? Sure. Angela. I was thinking about her. I, yeah, she'd probably definitely be at the top of the list. I mean, she arranged for you to get a wheelchair ramp to, yeah. on the deck of the house. And she sort of said that she did a fundraiser for it, but I think that she probably paid for it out of her pocket. Yeah, I believe so, too. No, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, she would probably be there. Yeah. She's yep. always been a good friend to you. There were times when I was working and you had to go, you know, for doctor follow-ups and things, and she would take you. Yeah, you're, you're right. Um, I don't know why I didn't think of her. I mean, I thought of her, but I didn't think of her at the top of the list. But no, you're correct. I mean, even when I lost my leg, obviously, it was the beginning of our relationship. We weren't living together. I just moved out. You mean you and me, not you and Angela. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You mean you. But no, yeah, you're right. Hands down now. Now that I'm thinking back on it, when I left my ex, she's the one that helped me move in that day. You didn't want to be a part of it because you were afraid that my ex was going to be there. But she, she helped me move in. She helped me get all the furniture for my apartment. Because I, you know, I was leaving a 15-year relationship, I didn't have anything. I, I basically had a TV, a bed, and that was it. And then, you know, with her help and other friends, I got a uh, a microwave ta- or a table, a microwave part, a love seat. Uh, just pretty much, she furnished my whole apartment, and then even, I mean, she helped me move everything in, my clothes and stuff like that. And then I remember it was funny because obviously I was on a tight budget. It was right before Christmas. We ran around all day. It was a Saturday. We even went to Walmart that night. And I'm like, I have exactly $200 that I can afford to spend on things that I need for this apartment. And she's like, okay. She's not a problem. And we got everything I needed. You know, it was like food. And then silly things that you don't think of, like a shower curtain or a toothpaste, toothbrush holder, stuff like that, paper towels. And we were, I think, within a dollar or two of the $200, and I had everything I needed. And she just buzzed through Walmart like it was supermarket sweet. I mean, she had it down to the, like the penny. So, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I, now I feel bad for not thinking of her right off the top of the bat. And then even when... A few months later, after I lost my leg, she showed up to the hospital that night. And, you know, she was there the whole time. She got the, my roommate kicked out because he was had a habit of... You, you mean your hospital roommate? My hospital roommate who had a habit of playing with himself while I was there, getting ready to have my leg amputated. But she got him, got me into another room because of that. That's a whole other story that we really don't need to get into. And I think they moved you into a private room. Yeah, they moved me into a private room after she picked up the the dining cart and slammed it on the ground after overhearing what he was doing on his side of the curtain. But even after that, after I got released from the hospital, like you were working, my mom had to go back to New Jersey, and she took me to all my doctor's appointments. She was the one that tried tried to set me up with getting a disability. So, yeah, and I mean, even in my more recent trips to the hospital, she's taken me to all my follow-ups. So, yeah, now I feel really bad about not naming her right off the top of my head, but I guess I just didn't think of it that way. But, yeah, 
she's yeah, she's the kindest person, hands down. I mean, I have very other very close friends that do a lot for me. Also, I'm, like I said, I'm very blessed uh, with the amount of friends that I do have. Can you tell me about one of your happiest memories? There's a lot. Probably, probably the day that I married you would be the top of my list. Uh, I'm getting a little teary-eyed thinking about that. I don't know. Like I said, I, I got I, I was in a bad relationship for quite a while. I mean, it was good in the beginning, and then it just it was bad. And then I met you. And the, the day that we got married, it was it was beautiful. It was in, you know, it was in a really big wedding and it's something but it was something that we wanted and something that we set up it was just me you your mom your sister your brother-in-law and then my mom and sister came in town they flew in for it and then uh it was at a nice botanical garden yeah it was a botanica and it was right in the uh, sensory garden and we had uh your mom's friend uh, perform the ceremony and then we had uh angela's husband take the pictures but that day was just a wonderful day. I made you wear talks. You didn't really want to, but we kind of did everything the way you wanted to do it, and I was on board for all of it. And then my friends put together a uh, reception. But yeah, that was probably probably my fondest memory. Well, let me lighten the mood just a little bit. Okay. Um, maybe we'll have two jokes this episode. You know how people say that their wedding day is probably the best day of their life? Mm-hmm. Well, I say that those people have never had two candy bars drop out of the vending machine at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think um, I, would, I, would, I would rank our wedding day a little bit higher than getting, well, it depends, I guess, on the candy bar. Can you tell me about one of your happiest memories? Okay. Hands down, it would be the Star Trek experience at the Las Vegas Hilton Hotel. Now, that sounds... The vast majority of people out there aren't even going to have any idea what I'm talking about. It It was sort of like a ride and museum at the Las Vegas Hilton. And it was all Star Trek themed. And it was done by Star Trek people for Star Trek people. So it was completely authentic. There wasn't anything campy about it. Maybe a little bit of the ride. You you basically, you bought your tickets and you went in and they had the History of the Future Museum which had props and items from the shows. It had a giant, giant Enterprise hanging from the ceiling. And I'll bet I spent three times as much time looking at that museum as I did in the ride, because everything was there, every prop that you could imagine, uniforms. And it was like you were going, I don't know, to the Hall of Space Museum at the Smithsonian because everything was labeled. There were 
descriptions of everything, and it really was like you were going through a, a museum of real things. Then you got in, into the, the ride, sort of like a shuttlecraft uh, with a, a simulator that one of those where you, you sit down and and the whole thing moves back and forth and up and down and jolts you around. It kind of like you were in a roller coaster, but it doesn't it doesn't actually move. It's just the the visuals around you and the the experience of the the machine moving gives you a, a sense of of being there. And um, then everything went dark, and you hear the transporter sound, and when the lights come back again. You were on the bridge of the Enterprise. I mean, an absolutely accurate version of the Enterprise. And people sitting at their stations, you're working the controls and everything. It's just like you were there. The, the whole experience is, it's got to be the most memorable thing that, I, that I've ever experienced. Even better than Disney World. Hmm. It's interesting. Can you tell me about one of your most difficult memories? That would be my friend had a stroke, died a few days later, and had a funeral. He was one of he was actually the last friend that I had. Um, I made lots of friends during the AIDS pandemic, and did a lot of work on the AIDS pandemic and most of the people that I worked with were people with AIDS. He and I were the last two. We neither one of us got AIDS. We were I guess the sort of the lucky ones. Um we have we had kind of survivor's guilt because everyone else had died. And then when he had the stroke ended up in the hospital and died. He actually died before I had a chance to visit him. And when they had the funeral, I suppose as funerals go, it was it was an okay funeral. But I did not feel like it was worthy of him. Like like it was below him? Like it, there should have been a bigger bigger like to know about it, for lack of better terms, or there should have been more of a celebration of life, or uh, all of that. There wasn't really much pomp about it. Uh, he he was not. People didn't speak of him. I I guess I knew the behind the scenes of of the things that he did, but maybe the rest didn't. Do, there there wasn't anybody left. I guess. Do Do I know him? Did I know him? Yes. Okay. Uh, he was the, the guy who organized the bear club in town. He, he, he was a great person. I just didn't feel like the funeral met up to, to, to him. Um, I, it, it was like any other funeral. I guess may, maybe my expectations were just so great. I didn't speak. Uh, they didn't really give anybody an opportunity to speak 
the the minister just gave kind of a eulogy and afterwards um they opened up one of the rooms and there was sort of a reception and then everyone left it um maybe i expected too much uh, i i don't know um i'm sorry anyway that that was a very difficult time for me it's, he was he was a great guy uh, i only knew him for a short while but he was a a very very nice gentleman always welcoming open arms i enjoyed the time that i did the little time that i got to spend with him i was i'm glad that i did get to know him and meet him i wish i got to know him a little bit better but i do feel lucky that i did get to meet him what was your most difficult memory oh probably my father's death it, you know, you you lose a parent. It, it's 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 very difficult. Uh, the way that it happened wasn't. I guess it, I, I don't say it was out of the blue, but it, it kind of was for me because you know he was back in New Jersey with my mom. Basically, I got a phone call on Sunday morning. Uh, he was sick, but I didn't know how sick. Uh, he was in the hospital a few, a few days previously, and I offered to go home, with, and, and my mom and dad were both like, no, no, we'll, you know, we'll be fine, and then I get a call Sunday morning about 10 o'clock, and it was my mother, and she's like, Billy, you need to come home, daddy died. So within about an hour and a half, I was on a plane from here to Kansas City, then Kansas City to Philly, and the really difficult part about that was... I flew into Philadelphia. Friends of my mom came and picked me up at the airport. My mom, I was, you know, I, I was born and raised in South Jersey, right next to Atlantic City. I got home. Uh, my sister was at a Flyers game with uh, my now brother-in-law. And the way my house was set up in New Jersey was uh, I was sitting at the island table. But when you came in the front door, it was kind of like an open floor kind of area with a wall but you could there's a living room and then you could see through where the kitchen was and I was sitting in my dad's seat and my sister came in the door and she saw me and completely lost it because she knew my mom didn't get a hold of her because she was at a hockey game and she my mom didn't want to call her obviously because she was at a hockey game uh didn't want her to drive the hour back from Philadelphia knowing that her dad just died and seeing the look on her face, and she just completely broke down. But that was very difficult. For me, my, my dad and I weren't very close. We fought like cats and dogs. But the, I had um, a lot of... There were so many things I wanted to tell him before he passed. And I never... I never could. I'm sorry. The last time I actually... <clears throat> talked to him was uh, the previous November. He passed away in May. Um, I was home for a uh, friend of mine's that I grew up with. His, his uh, wedding. The night of the, you know, I was there for the wedding. The next day, I had to fly back to Kansas. You know, go to work and all that. And him and my mother, my mom and dad, got into a fight at the wedding. And the last time I talked to him, I was basically having a real adult conversation with my father for the first time. I think. We, we were basically on even ground. 
And I was telling him that he needed to treat my mom better and quit disrespecting her. And it wasn't that bad, but he really upset my mom the night before. So I missed that Christmas. And I just had a lot of regret about that. But, you know, things go on. Uh, he's in a better place. I really, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about heaven and all that stuff. I think, honestly, people just die. But that was really hard. It was probably the hardest thing. But, you know, I've had a lot of friends who died. Nothing compared to, like, yours. But that was probably the top of the list. And, and then the pro a lot of the problems with that also was I was home in New Jersey. I stayed for about a month and a half after he passed. And I really didn't grieve until out of May, probably until August when my birthday came around. And I just kind of really just lost my cool one night and I just completely broke down. Uh, I have a terrible habit of keeping my feelings inside. And but I guess the good thing about that is I actually uh one of my best friends now, me and her really bonded. She was there for me that night that I lost it. We were friends, but that kind of like sealed and she's like we joke that we're Will and Grace. But yeah, she was there and she's been with me ever since and I love her to death. She knows it. But yeah, that's, that was probably the most difficult memory that I have. Can you tell me about someone who's made a big influence on your life, and what lessons did that person teach you? Oh, hands down, my mom. Uh, my world revolves around my mom. She's taught me everything. Um, I'm a complete mama's boy. I joke around. I said, if anything ever happens to my mom, you might as well check me into a psych ward for about six months, because I don't know what I'm going to do. Me and my mom are very, very close. We, I spent a lot of time with her growing up since I was diagnosed with diabetes when I was 12. Obviously, she was there, and I just remember driving to the hospital, and she was in tears. I was upset, obviously, because I just got diagnosed with diabetes. I was 12. I didn't, I didn't understand what it was, and I just remember her crying her eyes out, saying, if I could do anything, I would, you know, I would take this from you, and I'd live with it on my own. But no, I mean, my mom has had such a big influence on my life. Uh, she was there for everything growing up. She didn't miss anything. I was into every kind of sporting event. I was in Cub Scouts, Boy Scouts. She was part of all of it. Anything that I was doing, she was there. You know, like today, I talked to her for an hour and a half. I could sit there and just talk to her all the time. Uh, the distance, you know, bothers me sometimes because I wish that I could see her more often. Uh, but yeah, she... She's definitely the biggest influence in my life. And she's taught me so much. I mean, I, I couldn't list things that she's taught me. And it's funny because we are quite a bit different. She's got quite the temper. I don't really have a temper. But she knows everything about me. She knows the ins and outs of me. She knows how I am. She can just look at me and tell what kind of mood I'm in and when I need space and when I don't. So she... Yeah, hands down, is the most influential person in my life. Who do you think is the most influential person in your life? What did they teach you? Well, I'm going to go in a different direction here. Okay. Uh, my eighth grade English teacher, and I wish I could remember her name, although I don't know that I would say it in this podcast anyway. But that was the year when my sister and I transferred from a Catholic parochial school to public school. 
I believe that was also my junior year in junior high. This woman made the transition for me so much better. She um, treated me as an intelligent person. Uh, you, you probably don't know, but at, at that time in my life, I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to be a science fiction writer. Well, I figured out later that, you know, unless you're Arthur Clarke or Stephen King or somebody like that, you're, you're, you're not going to make a huge living at it. Um, the next best thing for me to, was to become a programmer, and that's been a pretty good career, and I don't really have a lot of regrets about that. But um, that teacher made my life so much easier, so, so much better, encouraged me in ways that the nuns in the parochial school never did. She taught me to think for myself and, you know, not, not just take the road answers that they have in the textbooks. And unfortunately, halfway through the year, uh, she left. She was replaced by another teacher who was just terrible. Just terrible. But um, at, at least I had a good transition and I made friends. She, she really is the most memorable person that, that I can think of who, who had the greatest influence in my life. Huh, that's good. Really good. What do you feel most grateful for in your life? I'm most grateful that I have you. Aww. Um, uh, that might sound like a trite answer, but it's true. This last year has been very, very difficult for me personally because I lost my job, have not been able to find gainful employment. I've, I've run out of unemployment. Because of you, I am I'm able to bear it. Um, we we really are partners. Yep. My strengths are your weaknesses, and your strengths are my weaknesses, and and we 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 work well together. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think you are the most grateful thing in my life, or the thing that I'm most grateful. What are you most grateful for? Same, you. Not to be tried either. I know. You make getting up in the morning easier and happier. You've always been there to support me. My weaknesses are your strengths. Your strengths are my, you know. Uh, we. It's like I tell you, we can take on anything in the world as long as we have each other's back. Uh, and I truly believe that. I feel that to the core of my being. You showed me that what true love really is. And we, we couldn't be any further different than we are, but we work, and we work well together. So, and I mean, you know, it's not all sunshine and roses all the time, but we seem to work through it. I know that you're always there for me, no matter what. You support me, but you also tell me what I'm doing wrong, when I'm doing it wrong, even though I might not want to hear it. Yes, definitely grateful for you, my life. 
Definitely. I, I guess things could always be worse. Yeah. There, um, there's a saying that I like to use that goes, I was sad because I had no shoes until I met a man who had no feet. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Kind of hits home quite a bit. What are some of the most important lessons you've learned in life? Mm. To be patient. There's so many lessons. So many, so many lessons. Patience. Give me an example of that. Just, you have to wait for good things to happen sometimes. And, but they'll, they'll happen. I, you know, I, I truly think the world's a wonderful place, and I think there's inherently good things in the world. There's just bad things happen. You know, like I said earlier, not everything can be sunshine and roses all the time. But, I don't know. I, 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 feel, I feel basically if you put good energy out there, good things will come back. I believe in karma. But, I mean, life is difficult. But it depends on how you handle the situation and how you take on the situation. You can, anybody can get through anything. But you have to have that outlook that you're going to learn even from the most difficult things in your life. Uh, like when I lost my leg, my mom was like, this is just going to be another bump in the road. And at the time, I thought it was the end of the world. You know, I was, I was a Division One athlete. You know, I handled it pretty well, I thought. But there was a lot of, you know, thoughts going in my head about it. I was angry. But, you know, it, 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 she was right. It, you know, it turned around just to be another bump in the road. So, there, I mean, that's a really loaded question because there's so much that I've learned, I've learned acceptance. I know love. God, I could, I could just go on and on and on. Sorry, I wish I had a better answer. But well, I guess experience is what you get when you didn't get what you wanted. Yeah. What What are some of the most important lessons you've learned? About? I think if there's if there's something I would want to put out in the universe that. They say with age comes wisdom. I, I, I suppose I have a lot of wisdom now. I would say walk your own path. D decide what you are. Don't just do things because they were expected of you. You need to, everyone needs to be their own person. Yeah. That's really good. It, it it sounds like just a, a simple answer, but that really is the key for me. I've known so many people who listened to society and tried to be heterosexual and and eventually failed. Had they walked their own path, I, I think their lives would have been easier and, and certainly better. Yeah, they would have probably been much happier. That probably comes a lot from counseling so many people in the gay information line. Probably. But it's true, and, and it doesn't necessarily... It doesn't necessarily mean examine your sexuality. 
if you are heterosexual, you know, be I guess be the best heterosexual you can. <laughs> but just don't just don't make errors and and don't don't listen to the the critics. Be be yourself. Mm. That that's that's the most important memory I I or the most important lesson in life that, that I would impart to people. That's great advice. Well, what is your favorite memory of me? Okay, this is going to sound trite, but <laughs> my favorite memory of you happens every morning. Oh. Every morning, when you first see me, your face lights up. Hmm. Makes my day makes everything so much better and it happens every day thank you what's your favorite memory of me you kind of just took my answer but (laughs) i'd have to say that like like i don't know like every morning that i do wake up and i'm not a morning person you know that but i can i see you in not to sound hokey or anything, but I just get warm on the inside, and you make me smile. Even when things are really bad, even if we are fighting or not, you know, we, I try not, we try not to fight. Well, we try not to go to bed angry at each other, but sometimes it happens. But no, seeing you in the morning every day makes me smile. I, I don't know what I would do without it. I know when I'm gone away or anything, like, it bothers me when I wake up and I can't see you. Knowing that you were there makes my world go around. Yeah. If I had to, like, list one thing, I, I couldn't. I, I, I couldn't. So, yeah, that's... You're just the best part of my life. So, like you said, I don't mean to sound trite, but no, I definitely agree with, with that. Well, I really appreciate that. I mean it from the bottom of my heart. How would you like to be remembered? As a kind... And good person. I just, I, you know, uh, I know that I'm never going to change the world. But I just, you know, the day, you know, I joke around with people sometimes. And I said, you know, whenever I die, if I have a gravestone, I'm going to put on it. I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> That's good. But um, I just, I want, I just, you know, when the day comes, I just hope that, you know, the, my friends and family and the people I love will look back and smile about, about me. I'm um, sure they will through the tears. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, that, that's pretty much what I, you know, what I want. I want to be known just as a good person. You know, like I said, I know I'm not going to change the world. But, you know, you said things in, in the past where someone dies, the universe dies with them. And uh, I don't want that to happen. I want people to move on, obviously. But I do just like, you know, when it happens that, uh, that they can just kind of like think back to something that we, you know, me and that other person or whatever doing and they can kind of chuckle. Or even if they, you know, if it's a sad moment, they can kind of think, you know, and know that I was there. But I just, you know, I hope to be remembered fondly. That's pretty much it. I don't think that's asking for a lot. <laughs> that's pretty much it. How about you? What would you like to be remembered for? I would like to be remembered for helping people, especially the people 
who didn't even know that I did anything. The, the AIDS pandemic taught me that a lot of people worked in the background and nobody knew anything about what they did, but they made things better. Yep. And I want to be remembered for having made things better and helped people, even the ones who didn't know anything about it. I think you will be. I, I don't want accolades. I just want people to remember that that I helped. Yeah, I think you will. Do you have any regrets? I would say the one regret that I have is that I haven't traveled very much. When I was young, my parents would take us on trips. My father was a salesman. His Most of his territory was in Kansas. So sometimes he could take us with him, and we saw museums and attractions and things like that. Probably that's where my love of museums came from. And we went to Colorado a few times, but that was pretty much it. I believe that by the time my sister was born, my parents had lived in 13 different states. My father had been transferred quite a lot for the company he worked for. So uh, by then, I don't think my parents had the wanderlust so much anymore. And there's a lot of things that I haven't seen that I would like to, that I probably won't. I'd like to see the Grand Canyon. I'd like to see maybe the Statue of Liberty. I would definitely, definitely, definitely like to spend a week to a month at the Smithsonian Museum to see every one of their multiple buildings and, and exhibits. I, I, I hope at least I can get to do that before I die. Well, you can turn on the Smithsonian Channel and do all that. True. <laughs> I'm teasing. True. Uh, my biggest regret is I, I haven't traveled enough. We're, we will do all those things. From, I promise you that. We will do all those things. What's your biggest regret? I really don't have any. I don't. Um, I, I, I don't. I mean, I just, I, I wish that I had better self-esteem. I wish that I pursued some of my artwork a little bit more. Not to make a career out of it or anything like that. But I really don't have any regrets. I think that I've really kind of lived my life and did things, lack of better terms, I, I kind of did grab the pull by the horns and kind of just did things the way I wanted to. I, I really, I don't regret any, like, huge, you know, and people regret things every day, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, massive things. that I, I just don't have one thing that I really, really regret. I I can honestly say that. I think I've led a pretty good life. Well, they say it's better to have regrets for things that you've done than regrets for things that you never did. Oh, definitely. I mean, there's a lot of things that I stupid and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. And you know, and maybe saying things or doing things in the past that I, that I regret, but I, I you know, 
if you if you don't remember those things, then you're never going to learn from those things. And I think even when you make mistakes, it guides and makes you the person that you really are. Now, I don't have any massive regrets that I really can think of. So. Okay. What are your hopes for me? I want you to realize how beautiful of a person you truly are one day. Just how loved you are and how important you are. I think you get down on yourself quite a bit. And one of my hopes for you is I wish you could just shut off your damn brain sometimes and let things be and just take it all in enjoy the beauty of what's going on around you. Sometimes I think you just analyze things way too much, but I do the same thing, so I can't really talk for that. But, yeah, that's it. just one day I want you to just take a step back, kind of look in the mirror. And say, you know what, I am a really good person. I am beautiful. What are your hopes for me? Well, once again, this is going to sound trite. But <laughs> if, if I could have anything in, in the universe, I would like you to have good health. I, if, if I could... If I had a genie who would grant wishes, I would take away your diabetes. Uh, If there was like a stem cell therapy where they could reactivate your pancreas so you could have a normal life, uh, I that would that would be my my number one wish. I wish your leg could grow back again. Most of my hopes for you are are that you remain as healthy as you can for the rest of your life. That, that's my, my hope for you. What are your hopes for me? It's just like I told you. Just realize how good of a person you are. I mean, obviously health would be great since we're both diabetic. But yeah, just have better self-esteem. Like I, like I, I said, I mean... Okay. Okay. Um, if this was our very last conversation, is there anything you'd want to say to me? I would once again say I love you. We say it quite a lot to each other. And in past relationships, I've said it. And it was like saying hello or saying goodbye. It was sort of an automatic thing you know, that would come out of our mouths. But with you, I mean it so much. Every single time. I feel the same way. I feel the same way. Is there anything you would want to say to me? The same, really. The same. Just, you know, like you said, I mean it. You know, I've said that I love you in the past, you know. But like you said, it's like a hello and a goodbye. But no, I mean it. It's funny, it's like when I text it to you, I tell you, I, I know I overwhelm you with it sometimes, I'll text you, I love you. And even when I text it to you, I, I can feel it in my heart. You know, it's, it's very true and sincere. That would be it. So, I guess we're near the end of the show. Sorry, everybody, that was kind of a, uh, not sorry about it, but it was a more of a melancholy kind of podcast. So we're going to end it <laughs> with my bear's favorite joke right now. 
Okay. How do you know if a friend of yours is vegan? I don't know. How do you know? Believe me, if a friend of yours is vegan, they will tell you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Definitely. So that's our show for this week. I hope everyone enjoyed it. This is Kura. And Bear. Goodbye. Goodbye. You have been listening to the Bear and Kura podcast, a production of the Land of Oz Information Services. We can be contacted via email using the address podcast at oz.com. And Oz is spelled A-W-E-S. This show is part of the Pride 48 Network. Find all the best shows under the rainbow at pride48.com.